You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello, welcome to the Salty Sex Cast with um, Pamela. Yes, I have a question for you. Okay, this is Mariah asking the question. How many times have you had sex today? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) That you have to think and count is the best part. Maybe a better question is how many people have I had sex with today? Okay, I will be okay with that answer. Because I know that number. That number is three. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I just figured I'd hurry and pull that on on you because you were like, I have a lot of sex. And I was like... I wonder on a given day, like how, what's that number? So last night I went glamping with Henry and Amanda and we, we were feeling really good while we were glamping and we had a lot of sex, a lot of sex. And then we woke up this morning and had more sex and then we got home and had sex with Bert. So nice. It's been a lot. Okay. So maybe it's like when you ask somebody with a lot of tattoos, how many tattoos do they have? And they were like, yeah. you can't even count. Like you have, you ask how many hours worth of work do you have on you? So how many hours have you had sex in the last 24 hours? In the last 24 hours, how many hours? Have I don't know, maybe eight. Good gracious woman. That's like a full-time job for most Americans. That's like a full-time job for most Americans. You, you worked a shift at a grocery store got her shift work <laughs> she's got her shift oh. in today good lord <laughs> all right we'll get to the show i just wanted to just cur- throw a ball at you and see what you got but you know <laughs> love it um, yeah okay i love our topic today um our guest today is named michelle and um she is a surrogate but a very special kind of surrogate Hi, Michelle. Hi. I've had sex no times today. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I, I, I want to live vicariously through you, Pamela. I think you're living your best life. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, Michelle, tell us about the kind of surrogacy work that you do. and what it's I called. don't carry babies. I do not carry babies. <laughs> I've done that long time ago, not my surrogacy. I'm a surrogate partner, used to be called a sex surrogate. Some people still float that term around, but um, we call ourselves surrogate partners because we are more about um, being a surrogate relationship for our clients. It's not about the sex. So that's why we we go with surrogate partner. And we work with therapists and their clients who are um, going, like, needing hands-on help around whatever their sexual issues are. Mm Mm-hmm. So what does a typical client look like that comes to you? Or is there a client? Well, I have, I have personally, like a lot of my clients are later in life virgins, single, cis men. That's probably my usual demographic. Um, but I'm open to working with all genders. Um, they, they don't have to be virgins. Uh, <laughs> it can be sometimes it's people that are, re-entering the dating world and they they just 
are kind of in a stuck place and their therapist thinks that it's time to bring in um, some support around that. Maybe they have um, trauma in their background. They need some, you know, professional help around. They can um, be a person with disabilities. Um, it, it, it varies, but most of my clients so far have been late in life virgins. Okay. Or later in life virgins. So how, how late, like how, what is your average age that you work with? Anywhere so far for me, I'm, I'm pretty new. I started training in 2018, so I've not been doing this a great amount of time. Um, so far I've had three, three virgins that were late twenties and two in their late thirties. Okay. Yeah. And then I've had a few other, other, um, clients in there, but, and they all run for me, they've all run in their, in their thirties. Okay. And typically how long do you work with a client? Uh, that really depends. It's not unheard of to work with someone for over a year. I have a client right now that I've been working with since January. Actually, I have two clients I've been working with since January right now. So it, it just depends. Some of them also only come every few months. So like if they're from out of the area, I might see them for an extended visit every couple of months rather than seeing them on a week on a weekly or biweekly basis. So but when you see a client, what does that look like? Uh, well, usually <laughs> it looks like a lot of basic communication skill building for a really long time. We do a lot of like um, helping the client get comfortable with their yes and their no and playing through what does it feel like if you're not sure, how do you make a decision and weighing those options and getting some autonomy and agency. So we do a lot of that first. We do a lot of like intentional touch. If you're familiar with Sunset Focus, it's a it was started back with Masters and Johnson, sex researchers from the gosh, I think 60s, 70s. Um, they started with surrogate partner therapy. They were the ones that brought it and they were working with couples and then they had single men and they needed to <laughs> partner them up with someone. So they brought in single women to use as surrogate partners way back then. And it, the field just has slowly, slowly moved forward. It was really big before the AIDS crisis. Uh, well, really big is probably a relative statement, but <laughs> it was much more popular before the AIDS crisis. And then it went kind of through a lull. And I, I hope that we're having a resurgence. Yeah. That, that would be my, that would be my, my ask or my wish. Yeah. So you said that you um, haven't been doing this too long. What, and then went through training for it. Mm -hmm. Do you mind describing what that training process looks like? Well, for me, it was probably a little different than a lot of the surrogates in the area. I started as a professional cuddler through cuddlist.com in like 2015. And that work seemed to roll into surrogacy work because I identify as a sex geek. I am always learning about sex and teaching about sex. And people would learn that about me. My clients would learn that about me. And then suddenly I became like their coach in a way. They'd ask me like, I'm, I'm getting back into dating. I don't understand consent. What does consent look like now? 
or um, they'd say like, I don't know how to talk about my erectile dysfunction while I'm dating. Can you help me talk, like learn the language? How do I bring this up? And it just seemed like I had heard about surrogacy before I got into cuddling and I was living in West Michigan. It didn't seem like a very, um, I didn't think I'd be able to work in West Michigan. And so just kind of put it away. And then um, in 2000, the summer of 2018, I moved out to San Diego full time. I had been traveling back and forth. My partner had moved out there and I was able to, I kind of just had this moment of like, I'm living in Southern California. I could do this now. And so I went the route of the Institute of Mind Body Therapy with Dr. Susan Kay. So my training was probably a lot different than most people go through um, IPSA, which is the International Professional Surrogate Association. Um, they do like a two-week intensive. I did a program that was, a lot of it was online, and then I worked with Susan as, as like a supervising therapist. So hers is a, a different format. And... Um, so that's what my training looked like. Like it was different than Ips's training, but we're all trained and we all do it a little bit different. I'm I'm curious about the legality of it. Yeah. So how do you stay on the right side of the law with this type of work? So yeah, so for me it's really important that um, I work with a therapist. The therapist is involved in what we call a triadic model. So the therapist and myself meet on a regular basis and the client meets with the, ther with the therapist on a regular basis and of course meets with me on a regular basis and we're like a team. So there's nothing that, that happens in my office that is a secret from the therapist and the therapist can talk to me about what's happening in their office. And so we all get to kind of collaborate and the therapist ultimately is in charge of the work. Um, they make the call as to what is the next step, how far will we go, what is actually needed, um, and it's it's never been successfully prosecuted. So the legalities of it is it's not illegal. So if it's not specifically illegal, does that make it legal? I'm going to go with yes. And I, I feel pretty good about it. I, I do this, and I'm very open about it, and a lot of people are very open about the work, too, and, and nobody's come knock on my door yet, so... I think that's great. I think it's kind of the first step for to us legalizing sex work in general, right? Because if it, it just legitimizes it in a way that nothing else really has so far. I don't I, I wanna say I'm a little I'm disappointed because I get that whole like, oh, you're such a great person to do this work. Like kind of this like like I'm I'm extraordinary in some way. And I think well, I mean, why are we treating this kind of sex work different than all the other kinds of sex work? And that's, I think that's what bothers me is that it's seen in this special little box. And then I, I don't think that gives enough credit to the other sex workers. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, I see all sex work as um, legitimate and, you know, essential to our, you, you know, societies like sexual health and education. And, um, it's just, I think this might like kind of bridge that gap that we have. Right. Because you I would are love able, to think that. Right? But because you are able to work with therapists and, you know, your work is recognized as so important. I think that people might see, Oh, well, what other sex workers are doing isn't all that different. Well, we see it that way. <laughs> 
I think that unfortunately, most of the public, I get requests. I get requests a lot from married men who want my services, but they think it's like a one-stop, like a one-time stop, or maybe they think they're going to get um, a couple of sessions or whatever with me. And 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 I get that. I get that. I I want to experience intimacy. I don't want mindless sex with a prostitute. And it just makes my skin crawl because I know lots of, of sex workers, escort companions, you know, that side of, of sex work. And I, I just don't think that's a fair representation at all. Yeah, I completely agree. So what, um, what are the challenges in finding therapists who will work with you? Do you run up against a lot of closed minds? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think anytime. So I, so I started in cuddling and I always saw that that would be a really great thing to, to work with therapists, much like a surrogate, maybe like a platonic surrogacy. And that would, that even got a lot of pushback because anytime you bring in body work, um, there's, there's a sphere of liability. So that's probably the biggest pushback is the sphere of liability. Um, and, but I feel like the newer generation of therapists, are are much more open-minded to working together so i think we're kind of going to push through the generational gap or something to 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 make this work much more available and plus i think the internet helps a lot because our clients are educated and i think it's very different when your client shows up in your office and says hey i want to try this would you get behind it Mm. Um, and it doesn't just have to be the therapist suggesting it. I think before the internet, you know, the, the information just wasn't available. So is that how most of your clients find you is through the internet or are they finding you through their therapists? I would say most of my clients find me first. And if they have a therapist, they take it to their therapist. I have one client right now that took it to to her therapist. And I have another client right now that took it to his therapist. And um, I've been really happy that they were yeses. And then sometimes I work through another office um, in Philadelphia. There's an office, the Ananda, Ananda Integrative Peeling, something like that. where it is run by a surrogate partner who decided she was going to create her own business. So she has two therapists on staff. And so clients will find her website and she will pair them up with a surrogate and a therapist right there um, in her location. So I work through her sometimes too. So yeah, I think it's educated clients for the most part. And how many organizations are giving some sort of certification for this type of surrogacy? Um, I know of IPSA and the Institute of Mind-Body Therapy. Those are the two that come to mind off, off, offhand. I can't say for sure there's not other ones. Um, the, the Surrogate Partner Collective is a new one coming up, and they are going to also be offering training. And their um, founders are a mix of, of surrogates. So um, a couple of surrogates that are from IPSA and a couple that are from the Institute of Mind-Body Therapy. And they're merging together to help really educate therapists on what this modality is and how they can utilize it with their clients. That's really incredible. Um, 
what have maybe you've seen that makes it all worth it for you? What are some things that you're just like, oh, I'm so glad I could provide that for somebody? Well, I mean, I think they happen all the time. Like when you think about, and I don't, I won't go into any specifics to honor people's privacy, but when I think about all the firsts that I'm a part of with my clients, like I, I, I gave someone their first back massage. I mean, how many of us experienced that in high school? Let's say, I mean, I remember a guy in high school that always was rubbing my back. It was just, it was a normal thing for me. And to have someone who comes in and has never had that kind of just really basic nurturing touch, like that's the first of the first. (laughs) Then you go through all these progressions of like, you know, the, the escalator of contact in every one of those, those points, there's a potential that I'm the first person they've ever experienced that with. And it's a huge honor. It's a big responsibility. Um, like it blows my mind on a regular basis. I'm like, this is really difficult work in many ways. And at the same time, it's so cool that I get to do that. What, what are some of the qualities that would, um, make someone a a good surrogate? If someone was thinking about going into this kind of work, uh, what, what would they want to, what kind of experience would they want to have? What, what characteristics? Um, I would say really good boundaries. And I didn't, I didn't start out with really good boundaries. Uh, left my marriage in 2014 and did a lot of work while I was working as a cuddleist. Um, a lot of their work is around boundaries and consent and communication. And so through that work, I got a lot of practice on what are my boundaries and how do I hold them and how do I communicate them and how do I find them? Like, what, what does it mean? How do you feel when a, a boundary is pushed and how can you identify that? I did a lot of that work before I started this work. So that really helps. Um, high level of empathy, really like having a bit of intuition around, oh, like it's delicate, it's delicate work and you can easily hit landmines and it's, it's, it takes just a little bit of patience and maybe some luck to tiptoe the right direction and know when to stop and when to pull back. Um, uh, Just a normal everyday person, like you don't have to be a therapist to do this work. Um, I think you have to have a lot of self-awareness though and in the ability to kind of self-critique and take feedback. I have a, a, a supervisor. So I go over all of my cases with my with my supervising surrogate after every session. We go over them. He gives me feedback. I take a look at like I'll catch myself and go, man, I missed an opportunity there. You know, I missed an opportunity to really probe a little deeper in that one. And so I think it's, it's being okay to, to receive the feedback and to speak it. Um, you're just, you're creating a relationship with this person. So being really good with probably your own relationship with yourself is important. Feeling very like securely attached um, helps your client feel what secure attachment feels like so that when they go out into the regular world, they kind of have an idea of what they should, how they should feel in a relationship. So, I mean, it's 
it's people work. <laughs> it's just, I mean, right. it's just people work that, that, that goes into some interesting, interesting boundaries. Um, is this your full-time job or, you know, would you be able to support yourself just doing this work? I would not be able to support myself. I don't think it's an interesting time with COVID. Um, I moved to Baltimore from San Diego in December and I will say I struggled um, in San Diego, San Diego getting this going. Um, I moved out here. My partner took a job out here, and I had all these connections on the East Coast with the, with the therapy community and with surrogates in this area. And so my supervisor was like, if you come out here, I can get you work. Like, we don't have enough female surrogates. And I was like, okay, this is a good opportunity for me. It's kind of like an internship where I get to come out here and really learn what I need to know. And then I want to go back to San Diego. I miss it out there. I mean, who wouldn't? It's, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like, I don't know what to expect because I got here in January. I did really well January and February. And then March hit. And I've really just been lucky enough to be able to say, I'm not going to take any new clients. And I only worked with the same two clients I had, I had carried through from those first couple of months. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that it's possible. And I think I will be able to do where I could support myself. I have a very supportive partner. This is the only thing I'm doing right now. I also, well, surrogacy is part of my work. I also call myself a human connection coach, which is kind of the, the non-sexual side of surrogacy that I can offer people. I feel comfortable offering it sometimes without therapy, um, depending on what their background is. We're playing with attachment and I get a little more careful about not wanting to create too much transference without having a, a, a third party involved to help deal, manage the emotional connection. Mm-hmm. So that it does broaden the kind of work that I can do, um, but it's not full time. Okay. Well, but what, I'm focused on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, what would you call like a successful um, outcome for your client? Would do, have you seen clients move through your your training and then find a, a partner themselves or have a positive sexual experience themselves? Um, I don't have enough follow-up. When we part ways, the the general like standard protocol is to not have any contact for a okay. couple of years. Um, I do have stories from like my work doing like the cuddle side of my life to say, yeah, I've watched what what connection can do for people and safe connection can do for people and and seeing how my client can feel safety with me and then translate that out to be safety in the regular world. I mean, this is a person with a lot of trauma who suddenly, not suddenly, but with a lot of work can start to like interact with the grocery store clerk, interact with the barista. Like those are things that they weren't able to do. So you know, connection, human connection and, and, and safe, secure attachment is powerful stuff. So we yeah. didn't get when we were children in, in a lot of cases. So we're re, we're rewiring that as adults. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be rewired. And so that's really mm-hmm. cool to think about for those who 
um, feel isolated in one form or another, whether it's socially isolated, physically isolated, and even, you know, emotionally. Um, there's lots of services and people out there that are able to help with that. That's so fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love this type of work. Um, what, uh, so I know you kind of talked a little bit about different clients. Um, any other main themes that you see why people even seek out a surrogate? Yeah. Well, I can tell you a lot of the requests that come in. It doesn't yeah. mean that they turn into surrogate clients, yeah. right? So but I, a lot of times it's around, they want to really tackle their erectile dysfunction or their premature ejaculation. Those are like, at least for the, the men that, that contact me, which is pretty much most of my contact. I have had a few women reach out around um, orgasm difficulties, which I've done some coaching around before. Um, I was a student of Betty Dodson, did body sex. I don't know if you're familiar. Did body sex back in 2014. That's kind of what got me into wanting to be a hands-on sex educator. And so I have coached women around orgasm, not as a surrogate partner, just, you know, Michelle one-on-one, -on -one, here's what I know. Let me, let me help you. Um, Let's see here. That's a, that's a lot of it. It's like they just want some somebody who can create some safety and kind of a laboratory to really work out the kinks. I mean, for lack of a better word, I, I happen to also identify in the, the BDSM community. So sometimes I get a lot of questions around, because I'm very out about that. I get a lot of questions of like, I want to explore, explore kink. I've not done that in any kind of surrogacy work before, but... I, it does show up in their request. Just because somebody, somebody sends a request doesn't mean that 95% of the time that we're going to work together. But it does give you a good sampling of what people are concerned about, what they're, what they're out there Googling. Yeah. Um, what are some things? So I know what you, you were just saying, they send in a request. What does that process look like? Let's just start from that. Because... <laughs> Well, I, I can speak for myself. I have, you know, I have a form set up on my website, a contact form. I don't ask a lot of questions. I just kind of want to get a basic idea of what, what's going on for them. Um, but everyone is, every practitioner is different. Some don't have a, a, web, a web presence at all. Some of them can't have a web presence because they work a day job that wouldn't be accepting of this work. Um, I'm really lucky that I don't worry about that. So at the same time, that brings me all, all the people <laughs> that are probably really looking for a compassionate sex worker, but they don't read all the print. So <laughs> they, they don't, they don't have a therapist. They're not interested in having a therapist. If they, mm -hmm. if they don't have a therapist, I can refer them to someone, but that's usually not really what they're looking for. So 95% of the time, I'm just fielding um, requests for a sex worker. <laughs> Would you be comfortable um, sharing any of the, like, extreme requests? What do you mean by extreme? That you're just like, um, wrong person. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, re I recently made a video about this on my YouTube oh. channel because I was so frustrated and mad when I read the request and I just I like beeline for my office and shot a video um he he was a married gentleman 
I want to guess he was probably, I think he had been married for a really long time. And what really bothered me about his request was that he started out really great. It was like, I really want help around my, I don't remember exactly what his issue was. I want to say it was ED, but I'm not positive. I'm not positive. And, um, and he referenced how he had this great relationship with his wife and he thought that this was affecting their sex life because they weren't having, you know, as much sex as he would like. And he took some responsibility and I was really hopeful. And then, and then he said that they were more friends than lovers and that they were emotionally disconnected. And right then I was like, oh, you're not friends. I'm not emotionally disconnected from my friends. Like, you're roommates. You're not friends. Call it what it is. And then he was the one that said he didn't want mind, mindless sex with a prostitute. And so it just, that, that's, that one made me the most angry. Mm. So I'd say that's my, like, most extreme. But I don't, I don't get anything crazy. I mean, you I don't, so, yeah. you know. You seem so sweet, so I would love to watch this YouTube video of you getting fired up about it. Like, <laughs> well, and it's hard because you. Insane. I don't want to. I don't want to make. I don't want to make these men feel bad for reaching out because I think it's important. So, like, it's a first step to to doing something different. At the same time, oh my goodness, um, my favorite book this summer was um, the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and it's all about. I don't know if you're guys are familiar with it but um it's all about like letting go of social norms and like living your living your true authentic life and i'm like what what is this life you have like why is it why what are you holding on to i don't understand like you have nothing to lose why don't you talk to your wife Mm. yeah what do you think that these men are really trying to convey when they say i don't want sex with a mindless prostitute do you think they're trying to impress you with their depth or? Um, I used to get this a lot when I was doing um, the cuddling work more. It was, they wanted, they wanted the, that intimacy. They, they wanted the closeness. And I think they have a lot of shame around sex work. And so they'd say, well, like, can I have sex with you? I, I don't want to go to a sex worker. And I'm always baffled by that because that makes me a sex worker. Like, what is the difference? So isn't, I mean, do you see that as just a really great teaching opportunity for those people? You know, like, obviously, they were raised with a lot of shame surrounding sex. If they also are feeling shame um, about desiring a sex worker, like, do you respond to those people at all? Or do you just let it go? Yeah, I do. I do respond. Um, I try to respond with like some compassion, but I'm not going to go overboard in educating them because I'm not getting paid. Mm. Can you, did you, yeah, okay. You got that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, I I would love to like, and and there's, I'd be happy if somebody came to me and they said, I want to like, I want to experience intimacy. And I understand that intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. Like that's one of the things that happens in surrogate partner therapy a lot is that you have this aha moment where your clients like you're laying you're laying in bed and and like I cuddle in all of my sessions as long as the person is like okay with touch and that's not like 
if that's not their issue, I, I bookend my sessions with some cuddling because that helps them feel safe and our nervous systems get to kind of get all in sync with each other and everybody just calms, calms down and we can talk about homework and we can just, you know, talk about our week. And, and, and it's in those moments when they're like, oh, this is what intimacy is. It doesn't have anything to do with sex. It's just mm-hmm. about being open and so I can do that, you know, I could do that. I can do that with somebody who's married if they'll go home and teach, like take that home to their partner and, and try to experience that with them. But they're so stuck. I just, I get, I get frustrated. That's my biggest frustration is like trying to help people understand that if they're not talking to each other, they don't have a whole lot. Yeah. Oh, you can send them over to the podcast. We'll educate them on that. <laughs> and then you say, once you've listened to all of it, then you can come back over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, that I mean is essentially that foundation. If that foundation is not there, you know, that's I could see being very frustrating to try to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pamela, sorry, did you have another question? It looked like you were no, I, I didn't actually. It was my internet connections messing up a little bit. So. Oh, okay. I have a question. Yeah, Brady. Yeah. Michelle, earlier when you first started speaking, you, you talked about, um, you know, sort of like the rise and fall during the uh, uh, AIDS pandemic. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe pandemic's not the right word, but the outbreak of AIDS and the understanding of how that was transmitted. Um, do you require testing? Is that something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, clients get tested. I'm regularly tested. I, I actually don't have a lot of sexual partners, which you would think in the work that I do that I that I that I do have a lot of sexual partners. I don't. Um, I'm in a monogamous relationship, outside of my work, at least. Uh, we started off as poly. It's really funny. We started off as polyamorous, and then we we, we renegotiated to an open relationship, and and now this year we've been um, practicing monogamy for something to try before COVID hit. I mean, it's kind of convenient right now, but um, <laughs> so, so surprisingly, I don't have a lot of sexual uh, partners because in this work, if we're going to get to that point, it takes such a long time. Um, it, you just don't cycle through um, the amount of people that I think people think that we cycle through. Yeah, I mean, when we were kind of talking about um, working full-time, like this being a full-time gig, that sounds actually exhausting to me, you know? (laughs) It's probably something you would want more of uh, something on this side or that you don't need that full income or whatever that looks like because you have to invest so much of yourself into it as well. It's not just face-to-face time. You have to recharge as well mm-hmm. um I yeah. segue into that what do you do for your own self-care to, to kind of prepare to help provide that care for other people well I think limiting sessions is mm-hmm. one like for me um my max would be two people a day and I don't even want to do that I I, <laughs> I want to be at one one session a day which is interesting because when they tell you how to charge for this kind of work they say well you should charge about what a therapist charges in your area. And it's like, okay, great. But a therapist, how many people do they see a day? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing one or two a day. So there's kind of a limit there. You do need to kind of find something else to, to do in between. 
Um, I have a wonderful partner who holds space just amazingly well. And I, gosh, I'm really good at the self-care thing. Like I'm really good at going, Michelle, what do you need right now? And giving myself permission. So um, during COVID, it's been really weird. Like, I feel like the answers are different. During COVID, my self-care is, I take off to San Diego every couple of months and reconnect with my tribe there because I feel very isolated here. Um, but I have a lovely puppy who is a really good, you know, lap, lap dog. And um, I talk to great people. Like I have really good support inside the industry and that helps a lot. Those, those regular meetings with my supervisor to go over cases, like that's really, really helpful. And I have a lot of colleagues that, um, I talk through stuff with it. It just, it, it doesn't, I don't feel so isolated in the work. I feel isolated in my personal life. I don't feel so isolated in the work. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely see that. Um, so what, what kind of clients are you willing to, like, on what basis will you reject a client? I know you talked about, like, a lot of people reaching out to you um, through mm -hmm. email and you're just saying, eh, that's not what I do. But um, if they make it through the first round and you meet with them, yeah. <laughs> you know, what, um, what do they have to do or, or be to, in order or in order to make it into the final round I guess is your client not be terminated I would <laughs> I would say as a for a surrogate client um if they've made it if they've made it past the therapist thinking it's a good idea like that I'm I'm if the therapist is a yes I haven't had a situation where I wasn't enthusiastic oh, okay. yes for it um I think it's more of a question for me when I'm doing um the non-sexual like the platonic kind of surrogacy work, but the human connection coaching, um, then it's more about what are, like, for me, it's about motive. Like, are you, do you have goals? Are we working on something specifically? Um, I'm less inclined to take like a, a regular cuddle client. Like, that's just not where my passion is anymore. So I've kind of moved on from that, even though cuddling is such a big part of what I do. I just, I want to help people that are dealing with specific issues more so than just needing, um, needing to feel closeness. Gotcha. So I, I guess to answer your question, if they're, if they're coming for, forward for surrogacy, if they're working with a therapist that is on board and, and enthusiastic, I'm more likely to critique the therapist than the client. Like, does the therapist understand what we're about to do? Mm -hmm. Um, what like what are their views of the work and do they understand what I expect from them? Um, have they worked with a surrogate before? How open are they to getting training on how to work with a surrogate? I'm more likely to critique them than I am the client. I got you. Yeah. So what does that relationship look like between you and the therapist? Um, like what do you guys do? Uh, chat about how often do you keep in touch with that therapist I'm sure it also depends on how often you're meeting with the client but just out of the curiosity yeah. what does that relationship look like well basically usually what happens is the the client will see the therapist in between every one of our sessions 
So mm-hmm. it's a back and forth between us. So I just try to, to touch base with a therapist in between my sessions with the client because then I can catch up on what's happened with their session. So I try to time it that way. Um, my preference is to do a quick phone call with a therapist rather than sending notes back and forth because it is a touchy subject. And uh, a lot of therapists really would rather not have the notes connected to it. So we just usually share a phone call and, um, and I try to gauge their comfort level too. Like, you know, I'm going to tell them the basic things that happen, but I don't know. There's something, there's something interesting about trying to explain physical contact um, to a therapist, it feels awkward. I've never talked to my therapist about that stuff before. So, or in, I've talked about, I talk about sex with my therapist, but not in such a detailed manner. So, um, I try to respect everybody's, I want them to know enough, but they don't need to know the gritty details. Well, that's just a, another boundary too. I mean, that you're navigating is that boundary between, um, what they want to hear and what they need to hear too. So lots yeah. of balancing all of those. <laughs> um, but sometimes things, one... things, sorry, things come up in session that I know that it's not the best use of my time mm-hmm. to talk about with the client. And so that's a good time for me to tell the therapist, Hey, he, you know, he mentioned this trauma. Do you know what he's talking about? Would you dive into it? Like, I'll let you dive into it with him because you're better able to handle that and it's not a good use of our time so does does it feel easier though for some of your clients to open up with you than with their therapist because of that added layer of intimacy that you share I think so I mean I think there's something magical about touch that really lets people trust each other in, in a in a faster way I don't think I mean you could be seeing your therapist for years and years and have a certainly a really great level of trust with them but there's something that just flows in that it's, it's really, it's, I say this about cuddle party. I don't know if you guys have ever heard a cuddle party. Have you heard a cuddle party? Yes. Okay. So there's something amazing about cuddle party and I see it in my sessions too, where it's really fast how quickly intimacy is built. And that's what happens here. And, and it's not to say that the therapist relationship isn't, um, is it's worse than my relationship it's certainly not, but it's different. And if we can play on those as like, like play to those skills, then we can find new things because of the touch work that's happening. Yeah. Um, I just being a client, putting myself in that client's position, I'm just thinking of like, Oh, what are they saying? You know, is there something that I should know? How often do you get that, that they ask you, what did you talk about? Oh, really? I haven't. Okay. No, you, and, and it's funny. I, every week I usually, well, with my weekly client, um, I'll bring up, so what did you guys talk about in therapy this week? Because we don't, I mean, I want to know, like, what resonated with them from their therapy session. It's not that I know everything that happens in their therapy. I just know if, like, if she's going to, like, one therapist, if she's going to have a certain activity, or not activity, but a, a homework assignment of some sort, for for the client like she'll mention that to me or I'll mention if I've got something like that going on with the client and she might want to piggyback off of it so like I'll just like so how was therapy this week and see what they want to talk to me about just like I would if my partner came home and just be like 
how, how was it? Do you want to share anything? I just treat them like a, a partner because that's what we are, surrogate partners. So it's not like um, I'm not interrogating. And I've never had anybody like really share that they're uncomfortable with me talking about our session with their therapist. That's awesome. Shows you a level of trust too that needs to be established. Yeah. Do you have to have a certain level of sexual attraction to each other in order to be surrogate partners? Um, I think that, I think the sexual attraction is different. Like they, the books, you know, that the education around surrogate partner therapy would say that the client's attraction to me doesn't matter. Um, I have a really hard time wrapping my head around that. At the same time, I know that for me, my attraction towards the client comes over time. And like, it's not maybe the chemistry that I would have with my partner. Um, but you can get to know someone in a way that like they, you, they, you can find attractive qualities mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what works, you know, like it's, that's why it maybe doesn't work as a come in, get it done and get back out. Like we have to build this rapport between each other. And, um, and it's not the same as going out and dating and meeting somebody where you have an organic connection. Like I can't recreate that, but I can give them the tools so that they can go out and feel more confident. And then they can find that organic connection. Um, what are, do you care to share any homework assignments or, um, any of your favorites that you do like to give out because of the growth and things that happen with those? Or is it very, very dependent on the person? I'm more of a, some people, I know when I work with, um, the Nanda group out of Philadelphia, they have a very like standard homework, Mm -hmm. um, protocol, Um, I don't, I kind of feel out clients. Um, it's funny. I regularly recommend that they read the gifts of imperfection from Brene Brown because usually they're dealing with some kind of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't give a lot of homework generally. Um, but sometimes like I, I had a client, I said, go home and, and write a letter to your body or have your body write a letter to you. Like, I, I don't know, whatever's going on in my life, like I'm reading a lot of books and I'll be like, why don't you go home and try that? Like, <laughs> that seems like a great idea. Um, you know, there's, there's certain kinds of homework around masturbation. That's a pretty standard. If I'm seeing a, a male, a cis male client who has issues around um, premature ejaculation, I might ask that they change up their masturbation habits and go to only masturbating with a sleeve so that we can kind of retrain their penis and how they respond to stimulus. Like that's kind of a standard one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't give like regular set homework where I can be like this week, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say, text me like that's your homework. I want you to text me on this day and check in with me and maybe we'll do a little bit of role play of how to have, casual conversation like if they were online dating or something you know like it that kind of stuff that's really neat I love that Brady um so we're kind of talking about homework 
Um, just curious because that was something Pamela and I toyed with with the podcast when we first started was giving each other homework and like our listeners homework. Um, way more work than what we had time for. <laughs> Especially because hers was always like so time consuming. I don't have eight hours to dedicate a day to sex, Pamela. I'm so sorry. <laughs> need to get um, your priorities straight, Mariah. I don't, right? I have to say. I'd have to quit my job. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I always find it fascinating. Um, just, you know, where people can start and what typically, you know, maybe themes that you see. So if surrogacy isn't something either someone's comfortable with or ready for yet, what are some things that they can do now um, either – um, building conversation skills or whatever that looks like. What are some things that you would ever suggest to just start with? Yeah. Um, I'd say a great place to start is meditation. Like um, it's pretty, it's, it's kind of mindfulness goes across the board. It certainly can affect um, your sexual function, let alone relationship, <laughs> like everything in your life can be touched by meditation. Um, if, if you are dating and finding yourself kind of making bad decisions, I would say uh, go find your local cuddleist <laughs> and get your skin hunger needs met because nobody says that shopping hungry is a good idea. And if you're out in the dating world and you're using dating to get your touch needs met, I've done it. Um, not a great idea. Uh, so finding somebody who can who can give you some touch, whether it be cuddling, massage, like something to get your touch needs met is a, always a good good idea. Um, and if you're in a couple, I think my favorite one of my favorite things to offer couples, not that I ever hardly ever work with couples, um, is to figure out what like your common curiosities are. I don't know if you guys have talked about this, but um, mojoupgrade.com is a fun one where you each take a quiz to decide what your curiosities around sex are. And then it only shares with you what the other one matched on. So you'll never be exposed for your kinks and interests, um, <laughs> unless your partner is also interested. So those are like a couple of my, my favorites. That's really neat. I haven't heard of that. Okay. Yeah. Mojo Upgrade mojoupgrade.com it's it's a little quirky i haven't used the site in a while last time i used it, it was a little quirky but it does work <laughs> um and it, i don't know of any other one doing that and it's fun to go through because i'm like what is that like i think i know a lot of things and i'm not like i don't know what that is i might have to google that <laughs> <laughs> under incognito mode though you know cause... <laughs> that's awesome yeah Wonderful. Um, so just to kind of wrap up, but when someone is curious about surrogacy, what should they be looking for? How can they find you? Um, if you're obviously we're in different States, that's why we're doing this over zoom. Um, if they need to know about laws or anything like that, what are some basics to find that trail? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first of all, they're all, they're all, I don't want to get flooded, but anyone is welcome to contact me. I, I tend to be pretty free with information. So a quick, if it's a quick. Yeah. Uh, contact me by email, uh, Michelle at 
humanconnectioncoach.com. That's Michelle with two L's. Uh, I think one L will work there too. I think I have it set up as an alias or something, just in case. Um, but there's surrogacy information. I like to send people to surrogatepartnercollective.org. They're kind of going to be our, our, you know, bringing all the words, worlds together. But it's a, I'm not sure what their email address or what their website address is. They're another great resource. And um, the Institute of Mind Body Therapy. And I don't know their website address either. Um, just <laughs> okay. come to me. It's probably just easier. Just shoot me a message and I will do the legwork and get people the information that they're looking for. Wonderful. So kind of you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, well, if anyone wants to reach out to us, they can email us at saltysexcast at gmail.com. What else? Um, follow us on Twitter at Salty Sex Cast and um, become a patron and get lots of exclusive content on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Salty Sex Cast. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, just wanna make sure the sound is still working. And um, Facebook, Mariah is always posting such amazing stuff on Facebook. I try. And you can learn more about our personal lives too if you follow us there. Um, Oh, that so, sounds so creepy. Check that out. What? <laughs> that sounds so creepy. That's why I'm not on what? Facebook. <laughs> About our personal lives? Well, I didn't mean it like that. She actually has created some posts uh, to talk about our we share a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not asking for Facebook stalkers. Okay. I okay. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, everyone stay tuned till next week, right? Yeah. And Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that fascinating information with us. Michelle, I, really had, I knew very little about surrogacy. Did you say your YouTube channel, I Michelle? I hope you know more. My YouTube I, channel? Is that what you said? Did you say it? Yeah. How do we find you on you YouTube? Know. Uh, I don't know because I don't have enough followers to have like a special address. So. My YouTube is, I would go to, hmm, go to my Instagram as Human Connection Coach. Perfect. Okay. And you can find the link in my bio. We'll take you everywhere. Awesome. We can do all the stalking there then. <laughs> we can do all the stalking there. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. All right. Thanks so much. We appreciate all of our listeners as always, and especially, um, our patrons <clears throat> thank you for your support and um we'll be back next week with another fascinating episode mm -hmm. <laughs> all right everybody stay sexy and salty bye yeah and what's puberty puberty well puberty's a lot of things here's the piece when you hear about it first it sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work, and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.